So the Bible teaches that God spoke to Moses, Exodus 33:11, as a man speaks to his friend face to face. And still, Moses, in Exodus 33:11, he had this unique relationship with God, yet he wanted more. He desired to see God's glory. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Alright, we're looking at Exodus 34 and 35 tonight. We have, beginning in Exodus 34, Moses being commanded by the Lord to return to Mount Sinai, to go up on the mountain of God, and to carry with him two tablets of stone. Because the first time that he went up on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, God provided the stones with the Ten Commandments upon them. But while Moses was there on the mountain, the children of Israel were in the valley, in the camp, and they got tired of waiting, said to Aaron, we don't know what happened to your brother, so make us a God that will go before us. And the whole golden calf incident took place. Moses came down from the mountain, took the stones that God had given him with the Ten Commandments, broke them on the ground, ground them up, and forced the people to drink the law. We are not under law, but under grace. Law was tough, but God's grace is greater. And we find that out here in Exodus 34, because now God has Moses return to the mountain. This time he has to supply the stones, but God was still right upon the stones, his commandments for the children of Israel, and would continue to be in their midst, and to guide them into the promised land. It will be a long journey before they get there. It would take 40 years for the children of Israel once they came out of Egypt to enter into the promised land. And the first generation that came out of Egypt never entered into the land of promise. Only two from that generation, and that of Joshua and Caleb. We've met Joshua already, but we've not yet met Caleb. So we're going to have a re-giving of the law, but also the declaration of the name of God given to us in Exodus 34. And then as we get to Exodus 35 through 40, we have the 
explanation, the dedication, uh, building of the temple and the dedication of the temple, kind of finishing out the book of Exodus. And so we're going to be spending a lot of time looking at the construction of the temple itself and the various articles that God commanded Moses and the children of Israel to make. But now they're actually going to begin the work as we get into chapter 34 and concluding the chapter. We'll get through it probably at my rate will be the beginning of July sometime. But next Wednesday, it's the third Wednesday of the month, and we'll have communion and a prophecy update. And there's a lot going on, a lot to talk about. And we will accomplish that for next week, Lord willing. And just look at some of the things going on in the world and relate them to Scripture. So I want to do that next week and keep that in prayer as I prepare for that. So here in chapter 33, Moses asked God in chapter 33, just backing up to verse 18, please show me your glory. And here in chapter 34 begins by Moses not only seeing the glory of God, but hearing the declaration of his name. And so I like to put a key verse, sometimes two key verses, chapter 34, verses 6 and 7, the declaration of the name of God. As the Lord passed before Moses, he proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So the name of the Lord being declared in verses 1 through 9, as Moses ascends Mount Sinai, the Lord commanded him in verse 1 to cut two tablets of stone like the first ones. And I will write on these tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. So be ready in the morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me and there on the top of the mountain, verse 3, and no man shall come up with you. Let no man be seen throughout all the mountain, neither the flocks or the herds feed before the mountain. So, verse 4, he cut the two tablets of stone like the first ones. Then Moses rose early in the morning, went up Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him, and he took in his hands the two tablets of stone. As I said, when God gave, initially gave Moses the law, the Ten Commandments, God supplied the stones. This time Moses had to supply the stone, but God would put the words upon the stone, the same words that were written on the first two tablets. And Moses now coming up to the Lord with the tablets of stone that he had destroyed because of the rebellion of the golden calf. And here we find that God's mercy upon the children of Israel, that he did not walk away from them. He did not destroy them, although some were judged and died. Some 3,000 died on that day. Yet God showed his mercy by giving them the law, continuing the plan that he had for the nation of Israel, ultimately continuing the plan that he had for the salvation of the world, which would come through faith in Jesus Christ, a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, a descendant of 
David and the kingly line there. Well, God was going to write the law on two tablets of stone. Today, 2 Corinthians 3, verses 2 and 3 reminds us that we are the epistle of God, written in our hearts, known and read by all men. And Paul would go on to say in verse 3, 2 Corinthians 3, 3, Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. God writes His law, His Word, right into our hearts as followers of Jesus Christ. So Moses was obedient to the command of the Lord, and that following morning he ascended the mountain with the two tablets of stone. He went up early. I know not everyone is an early riser. I tend to be. I don't like it these days, but I tend to be. I don't like it because I, I set an alarm and I don't even get to the alarm and I'm already looking at the clock way before, sometimes an hour before the clock goes off. I try to be respectful for my wife and kind of just lay there <laughs> waiting for the day to kind of kick in sometimes dozing off back to sleep. But the Bible tells us in Psalm 63.1, O God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. And so the Bible often refers to people rising early. And here in Psalm 63.1, reminding us, early I will seek you. I think it's the best way to start our day in meditating and waiting upon the Lord, looking into His Word, preparing us for whatever the day might bring. In verses 5 and 7 we read, God descends upon the mountain. It's not Moses, it's God. He descends, Moses goes up, and God comes down. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him, proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So the Bible teaches that God spoke to Moses, Exodus thirty-three eleven, as a man speaks to his friend face to face. And still Moses, in Exodus thirty-three eleven, he had this unique relationship with God, yet he wanted more. He desired to see God's glory. And yet before God would allow his goodness to pass before Moses, he first placed Moses in the cleft of the rock, covered him as he passed by. So all Moses was literally allowed to see was the back or the afterglow of the Lord as he passed by. And so even though Exodus 33:11, as the Bible teaches, Moses talked to God face to face as a man speaks to his friend. He didn't see, literally see the face of God. And here in Exodus 34, we discover that he couldn't even see the front of God as he walked toward him, but only the back or his afterglow as he went by. And as he went by, he proclaimed his name. The name of the Lord and contained within this an 
I, I kind of struggled, I mean, in my head, as far as theology goes, seven attributes of God being listed here, and I began counting the words, and I kind of wonder, is that one, or is this one? We'll go through the words in a moment. Um, and what makes it difficult is because they repeat mercy twice, and so I had to dig into that why repeating mercy twice, and there is a little difference in the type of mercy that's being spoken about. And also we see, which I didn't even include in my notes when it talks about judgment, that God is just, and I just threw that in. God didn't declare that, but we find the words itself uh, depicting that with God bringing judgment upon the people by not clearing the guilty. It means that he is just and he brings justice upon this earth. But he begins the first and sixth attributes that he describes is that of mercy. God is merciful. A word picture of merciful would be a deep, kindly sympathy or sorrow felt for another who's been struck with affliction or with misfortune. My family's been in town. We had a wedding last weekend, and on Sunday afternoon, my family always makes it into my sermons. Our granddaughter uh, went to the skate park. She's 10 years old. She wiped out, broke her two front teeth. We got a phone call that the accident happened, and it was a little noisy at that phone call. And all I could do was go, oh, you guys did it too. I just explained it to you. Her teeth look great now. Our dentist uh, really fixed her up the next day. And she doesn't even want to wear it. Mom and dad bought her tooth guard, and it's like she didn't want to put it on. It's like, you just broke your two front teeth. Wear the guard. But <laughs> she's fine. It was a fall. But that being struck sorrow for another, that kind of sigh that you guys made, that's what I made. That's the point I was going to make. I was just like, oh, it just broke my heart to hear that something happened to our granddaughter. and We didn't know how severe it was or how bad it was, and the injury would affect her teeth worse than they did. And uh, they were able to repair it, no nerve damage, and all that side of it is good. So God, merciful, twice used. But the twice used is a little different in each of the usage. But we find this repeated, and I didn't write all these down, but several times you go through the Bible, you'll discover that there'll be parts of this name being repeated. One of those times, though, I did write down, it's Psalm 145, 8 and 9. The Lord is gracious, he is full of compassion, slow to anger, great in mercy. The Lord is good to all. His tender mercies are over all his works. And so you will find this declaration of God's name that he made of himself given to Moses. It's repeated. Uh, Joel, the prophet Joel, will repeat. Uh, the prophet Jonah will repeat the attributes of God that come from this very passage when dealing with God. Often people only see the righteousness and justice of God, which results in really the judgment of our sins. And yet the Lord is also gracious. He's full of compassion. He's slow to anger. He's great in mercy. These attributes, as I listed them, God is merciful. It means to be great in mercy. 
He is gracious. He is long-suffering. He has goodness. He is truth. He's keeping mercy. So that's the second mercy. Uh, it could be translated the keeper of mercy. I like the way that is translated. And he is forgiving. But also one that I didn't put in my list, but as I was reading this, when he deals with sin, not clearing the guilty, God is just. He's forgiving, but he's also a just God. And these are displayed through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus declared of himself in John 14, 9, and then also in verse 11, He who has seen me has seen the Father. Believe me that I am in the Father. The Father is in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. We are one and the same. If God, my Father, is merciful, gracious, long-suffering, goodness, truth, the keeper of mercy, forgiving, then I am also merciful, gracious, long-suffering, have goodness and truth, the keeper of mercy and forgiving. And both God and Jesus are also just. So Moses, verses 8 and 9, he bows his head in haste. It said he made haste to bow his head. He did it in a hurry. He bowed toward the earth. He worshiped the Lord. And then he said, if now I have found grace in your sight, God, you said you are gracious. So Moses prays it right back to the Lord. If I've found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are a stiff-necked people. If, Lord, you are forgiving, as you just said in that declaration of your name, verse 9, Lord, pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us as your inheritance. I love this because upon hearing the proclamation of God's name, Moses instantly prayed back, Two of the attributes that God proclaimed about himself, his grace and his forgiveness. And he said, Lord, if I found grace in your sight, please pardon your people and take us as your inheritance. That's something that we can do as well. That's why it's so important to read the word of God, to learn the word of God, to understand the word of God, that There'll be times when we're able to pray Scripture back to the Lord. Not that we need to remind God anything. He knows all things, but more so reminding ourselves of the attributes and the mercies and the grace of God. Psalm 33, 12. I believe this was once, could have been said about our nation. I fear that it is no longer Psalm 33, 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people who has chosen, he has chosen as his inheritance. Now we can say this about most of our churches, hopefully, but there are a lot of churches in our land that also this could not be set up. Blessed is the church whose God is the Lord, the people who has chosen, he has chosen as his own inheritance. There's a lot of churches that they are more concerned about the social gospel than the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And the social gospel is just bending on the whims of humanity, and they are ever-changing. If you notice that if you, on social media, it's like a trend that we have with social media now. I haven't done this. Maybe you have. I'm not 
trying to put guilt on anyone, but it seems like every other week there's like a new hashtag or a new symbol that we all have to be following. It could be a Ukrainian flag. It could be this month, a rainbow flag. And by the way, God said the rainbow is mine and I want it back. So I'm just going to put that out there. It could be uh, horrible shootings in uh, Texas and Buffalo and other places. It might be Pride Month. People are like having to have these hashtags. The whims of man are crazy. And we rely upon the word of God. We rely upon God's word and take our stand upon that. So take heed to yourself, God said to Moses, verses 10 through 13, I'm going to read. Behold, I make a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels such as you have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord. For it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Observe what I command you this day. Behold, I am driving out from before you the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Parasites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. Take heed to yourselves, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you are going, lest it be a snare in your midst. But you shall destroy their altars, break down their sacred pillars, and cut down their wooden images." Remember when uh, the Taliban uh, went into Iraq just a few years ago in Mosul? And they were tearing down uh, the ancient artifacts from Babel into that area. Uh, the Babylonian Empire had been buried there. They've uh, uncovered some of that, and they were tearing down those things. And we think they're tearing down history. It's kind of what God commanded the children of Israel to do when they went into the promised land. Destroy it all because it will become a snare to you. And they were also tearing down churches and altars and stuff that it was an affront to so many different religions, but even the Christian religion as well. But it's similar to what God called the children of Israel to do. He gave that warning to take heed to yourself. He said it twice. Take heed to yourself when you go into the land. Be careful because if you're not careful, if you don't take heed, it will, those pagan gods, will become a snare in your midst. Verse 12. So God warned Israel not to make any covenants with the people, not to worship their gods, not to marry their children, not to have any molden images and molden gods for themselves, a sin that they had already failed in. God kind of reminding them of these things. In verse 14, he says, For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. So this Hebrew word for jealous refers to the zeal of a husband that he has over his wife. His name is Jealous. God had a zeal for his children. He is a zealous God. So don't mess with the zeal of God. The jealousy of God in that sense, that great zeal that he has. But also that Hebrew word translated for us as take heed literally means to bring a hedge about as with thorns. So to kind of put a 
Today, we might say to put a razor fence around you. Take heed, put a razor fence around you. Protect yourself. Take heed. It reminded me of the word circumspect in Exodus 23, 13. And in all that I've said to you, be circumspect and make no mention of the name of the other gods, nor let it be heard from your mouth. Put that guard around you. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, Paul kind of repeats that similar theme saying, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as the wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Are the days evil today? Can you say that we are living in some very evil times? Then we need to take heed, put that razor fence around us, walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.